if you break cricket down into three disciplines, you know, batting, bowling and fielding, you can field and bowl almost by yourself or often when you do play cricket, I think there's a lot of availability of bowling and fielding. You know, I go to a net session, I said earlier, in a one hour session, I can bowl for 55 minutes, but I only bat for five minutes. And similarly, you know, you can go to a match and you can field for 50 overs, but you don't want to bat for only a few minutes. We naturally felt that if we could narrow it down to batting to try for actually we could benefit the whole sport as well. And it's actually why we call ourselves Batfast, because we wanted to be so focused on batting, we didn't want to go into bowling or fielding or anything else at that stage. This is the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast showcasing outstanding startups and initiatives in the global sports tech ecosystem. From Sports Tech X, the leading source for data and insights about sports tech. Here is your host, Roan Maholtra. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast. It's all about cricket this month. It is, it's a sport I grew up with. It's a sport I played uh, well, I don't want to say every day, but very nearly uh, every day uh, growing up as a child in India. It's a sport that has uh, captured the imagination of a lot of people. It's the second most popular sport in the world. It's something that I keep having to kind of emphasize on all our posts and content. That's why we're talking about this this big sport um, this month. Also, there's a major tournament happening. The World Cup has uh, officially begun in India. Um, so we wanted to time our month of focusing on cricket tech, talking about all the latest innovation, all the cool new tech uh, around this sport that I love. Um, we've already had a couple of stellar guests. We had Gary Gersten. Uh, for those of you who don't know, an absolute legend of the game and a great way to kick us uh, off on our series. We had Madan from Ludemos uh, talk about uh, the use of software in your mobile device and how AI can help you improve your cricket. And today we're going to talk about hardware. We're going to talk with uh, Runish Gudka, uh, the co-founder and CEO at Batfast. Welcome to the show, Runish. Thank you, Ron. How are you? I am good. It's a it's a chilly day in Berlin, Runish. Autumn is here. The summer is gone. We're all decked up in sweaters. Um, but in India, they're all out in the sun playing cricket. I miss that a bit. Uh, but we'll get we'll get to your exposure with cricket and talk about your journey. Uh, first, quickly about Batfast. Batfast is basically a cricket simulator provider. I can give that as a rough description. So they have becoming these facilities where they have their infrastructure or their technology set up, and you can, as a batsman, receive bowling, uh, receive deliveries uh, bowled at you at some sort of preset conditions. Yeah. So it's for entertainment, but can also be for training. And all they do this not only for cricket, but for a couple of other sports as well. Uh, I will let Runish tell you more about Batfast. But Runish, first, before I get to the company, I always want to know more about the person that I'm speaking to. So curious about your journey. We've already established that you are currently based on the West Coast of the US. Yeah, so like I said, I was born and brought up in Kenya. I spent you know better part of my, well, until I was 19 in, 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 in Kenya, did my um, studies there, at least my high school and primary school there. Um, <clears throat> I think naturally being from a Asian or Indian, you know, origins, cricket is somewhere installed in our, in our, I guess, in our system. I think I grew up in a, in a joint family and, you know, my uncles, um, loved playing cricket with me, both my mom's side and my dad's side neighbors, you know, we played on, on with, with our neighbors and that sort of, for me, materialized into a bit more formal playing cricket with hardball. You know, I sort of graduated 
to, to through a cricket club locally, which you know fortunately for me led to um, uh, a, a lot of opportunities within cricket for Kenya. I, I, in 2010 and 2011, um, I, I actually was part of the Kenyan national cricket team. Um, actually, in the builder, I was part of the provisional squad for the Cricket World Cup in 2011 in India, and I got to spend a few months in India pre the World Cup with the Kenyan team and during the World Cup training. Um, and it's it's a it's a it's a sort of place where you want to be. It's such an amazing place to, to be during a cricket World Cup, and the respect for for cricket and and I guess cricket role models are is amazing there as well. So it was a real life changing experience for me, and that then you know I, I sort of played another year. Um, I actually played under Mike Hessen, who just recently left as director of Royal Challenges Bangalore, who gave me my um, debut as well. Um, and 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 I quickly realized, I guess, that I was. I think growing up in Kenya and, and not having the structure to play professionally um, meant that I, I almost saw myself never being able to make it to, to a top A-league cricketer, you know, which is what I guess the aspiration always was. But at the same time, I think you know a lot of the challenges within cricket globally, with funding being reduced to associate countries like Kenya, also mismanagement of funds in a, in, in a country like Kenya, especially within the, 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 the governing body there, meant that I, I felt like it was just better for me to pivot away from professional cricket to focus back on my academics. And so I left almost two years in um, uh, to, to go back to, to finish my undergrad in the UK. Um, and that, that led to a, a master's program. I worked in between at JP Morgan and then that led to a master's program in technology and entrepreneurship. And through that journey, I guess I'd come across lots of different opportunities, ideas, challenges, playing cricket. And I always felt cricket was such an amazing sport. You know, like you say, one of the most followed sports in the world with over 2 billion fans, you know, across the world. I mean, most of it is in the subcontinent. But yet it's only played by very few people in very few countries. And I felt like there was a real opportunity to change that. And and so I, I guess I was always thinking about ideas in that space. And through my master's program, I think it allowed me to put structure in place to really explore commercially viable opportunities. And naturally in 2012, 2013, technology was a big theme within London and within the tech ecosystem well i guess within the within the within central london especially with the old street and the, the the silicon roundabout and so i got exposure to how you know a lot of technology companies were being formed how they were thinking i had some good mentors through my program as well at ucl that helped me shape any ideas i had to try and qualify them and Badfast seems to be the, the fruit of that journey. I, I did see on your profile that you've spent time, there's a little note that says National Cricketer for Kenya uh, somewhere. And I, was, I wanted to ask about it, but I mean, if you nearly got to a World Cup, then that's, uh, that's more than just a, a part-time cricketer. So congratulations on your, on your career there. We can have, a, I guess, a separate conversation about that. But now let's focus on Badfast. So in your words, tell us about the solution and what exactly is the problem that you're solving. Yeah, so I think as, as it, through my own experiences playing cricket as well, I felt like, and it, for me it was more around, you know, sort of as, as a cricketer who grew up playing cricket, trying to ex trying to play it regularly as I came into into adulthood. I found that you know the, the solutions available, the legacy services available, were either inaccessible, unaffordable, or you know simply lacked any kind of value for time or money. I found myself investing a lot of time to get very little value. You know, as a cricketer, you can go for a net session. And if you're a bat, if you're, if you're looking to bat, you know, you can spend a whole hour that's in the net, in, in the net session and only bat for five or 10 minutes. And in that five or 10 minutes, you actually get 
maybe you know 50-60% of the actual deliveries you want to be able to practice against. And so you're almost investing a whole hour to, to go and only getting five, you know, a good five, six minutes worth of value out of it. And that's okay. I think a lot of people do put that time in and it's important to put that time in. But it also means that as you grow older and that time becomes more valuable, it actually doesn't give you the ROI or the value for time or money that you expect. Um, and so I found that, you know, that was slightly inefficient. Also the same when you go to play cricket matches, you know, you can go and play a whole Saturday or Sunday, spend seven, eight hours, you know, compromising on family time or time with friends or time with kids. And sometimes the games get rained out. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you get out on the first ball and suddenly the whole day just becomes like all of a sudden doesn't is not worth it. And the idea you landed on was a simulator, basically. Correct. We thought that, you know, effectively, if you could, you know, do it, I, I guess if you break cricket down into three disciplines, you know, batting, bowling and fielding, you can field and bowl almost by yourself or often when you do play cricket. I think there's a lot of availability of bowling and fielding. You know, I go to a net session, I say it earlier, in a one hour session, I can bowl for 55 minutes, but I only bat for five minutes. And similarly, you know, you, you can go to a match and you can field for 50 overs, but you don't want to bat for only a few minutes. And then you break down the popularity of batting. You know, you look at India, for instance, and you, 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 I guess, you know, you look at the top 10 most um, idealized cricketers, they'll mostly likely be batters, I guess, to a certain extent. And, and the reason for that is there's just a, a, a element of batting that is amazing. I think it's just everyone associates with it. And it's the same when you play gully cricket. I guess you played it in India as well. When you get out, you're always fighting, right? Like, I'm not out or I want to bat longer. Like, it's always just, these are just common themes when it comes to batting. And so I naturally, we naturally felt that if we could narrow it down to batting to try solve for, actually we could benefit the whole sport as well. And it's actually why we call ourselves Batfast because we wanted to be so focused on batting, we didn't want to go into bowling or fielding or anything else at that stage. And, you know, over time we've had to say no to opportunities in bowling and fielding just to be focused in on batting. And the other thing about batting also is that it possibly takes the most amount of practice and you get one chance, you know, you can get, you can, you, you can, you get one chance and you make one mistake and you're out. So effectively you need a lot of concentration and practice as well. So we felt like if we could solve for batting, we, we, we could solve for cricket as a, as a wider sort of sport. And, and within that, we thought that, you know, what are the biggest challenges batters face? They don't get to face enough balls and they don't get to face enough high quality balls. And so if we could actually take, um, you know, bowling machines, which existed already, but were very manual and, you know, analog and, and actually required, were not the most efficient, but did a job. And we could automate them using sensors and motors and effectively make sure that they can, you know, change line length speed within a few seconds. We could actually build the intelligence within the system to replicate real life situations within cricket matches, within net sessions, and, and effectively deliver a much more personalized experience for a player, which then means within, within 30 minutes, you can actually get what you may face over a month in a, in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in, real, in, in your existing solutions, if that makes sense. And so we focused in on that. And then to that, we've added video video projection, which allows us to simulate a bowler's run-up, which makes it more realistic. And then we've added you know, other elements of technology, such as um, scoring, which allows us to score shots and give us uh, ball tracking, which allows us to track shots as well and gives data. And then video replays, which allows us to capture videos as well. So effectively being allow us to capture end-to-end digital as uh, a database experience for the player. So yeah, effectively, we call it a simulator, but it's a little bit more than that. I guess we've always struggled with the word simulation. We, as I've, as I've started to understand more about hardware software, it's a hardware software product, more along the lines of intelligent hardware software product. 
so I, I think that's where we're trying to sit in, if that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, no, it does. And I'm happy to go with your explanation because everything you described sounds like more than just a, a simulator, though. I mean, as you said, you've evolved from the, uh, what was a very mechanical bowling simulator, bowling arm, um, Correct. which is a spring-loaded device. Uh, but now uh, it's come into the into the modern age with use of all sorts of uh, technology all sorts of um, tech in the stack from hardware and the software perspective because you're using camera and AI and all that good stuff as well all right so yeah, essentially this I can go to a facility where badpass has been um, installed I guess is the word and I can then line up and say hey I want to face um, I don't know, Rashid Khan or um, Pat Cummins, whoever it is, or Vasim Akram and Shane Mohan, like I guess I can I can decide as a batsman what kind of delivery I want to be facing, how much and where, and work on my strengths and weaknesses. Now, so that's essentially what the what the product is. What the applications of it though are varied because I can do this for training if I want to become if I want to improve myself as a cricketer. But I can also, as we discussed this just before we, we started recording, you can also do this for fun. Uh, and, and and the entertainment portion is also a, a big thing. So walk me through who the or who the product is for and what kind of audiences it caters to. Yeah, so we, we as, as we started to develop the product, we knew it's going to take us four or five years to bring this product to market because of the complexity and capital required. And so we, we, we had to find quicker ways to bring cash into the business in order to, to, to allow us to keep scaling. And so first we took a prototype product, which used to break down every two or three days, I guess, as, as, as a product, and, and, and started to take it out for events. So we started out with fan activations, and it started out as a very small four or five events in, in, in the first year. But it, it quickly scaled up for us, and you know, it, in, by 2019 we were doing over 200 events a year. It almost became a, a proper business that was generating enough money to keep us going to the next phase of the, of, of the business. Um, you know, I, I guess it also allowed us to to test the product out in real time with real users, which was really valuable feedback for us. Um, uh, but also, it, it did distract us a little bit as well because it, it meant, you know, the events experience needs a very specific user journey, which we had to cater for, especially because the business sort of became really quickly, really big, really quickly for us as well. So the first application we found for it was an events-based application where we could actually, um, you know, take it out and work with brands and sponsors and agencies to basically create these activations in ground. Um, uh, and so that became the first application. And within that, we worked with, you know, the, the ECB, the Cricket Australia, and we worked at the Ashes. We worked at, we're currently working, doing an activation in Dharamshala. Um, in fact, today was one of them when England played um, Bangladesh um, with, uh, for the Cricket World Cup. Um, uh, and then we've also evolved that into other sports with activations in baseball and tennis with the MOB. In London series, we're doing the Mexico series, and we've done some work with the All-Star Game. In, 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 in the US as well. And then with tennis, we worked with um, uh, just this summer, we did Wimbledon as well. So that's evolved now into a multi sport sort of fan activation proposition. We then, as, you know, as the technology started to get more mature and we started to get more reliability and more functionality built up, we built out a, a, a product which allowed us to create a cricket version of a competitive socializing venue, effectively multiple cricket simulators within an uh, entertainment venue with good food and beverage. And that's opened up to 10 locations. It's under it's in, under a partnership with a company called Sixes Social, which, you know, have our brilliant group of entrepreneurs who are 
who've got a uh, real credibility in the space and a real know-how of how to build businesses in this in this sector. And they have opened, you know, they started their first location in COVID in 2020 in, in Fulham. And that sort of has quickly gone on to multiple locations in the UK. The first location in the US opened up as well. And they're now scaling that through a, a combination of owner-operated and franchise-based locations as well. Um, uh, and then, you know, again, as we started to bring more sports into the fray, we created a multi-sport product, which is lighter on, 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 on each sport, but it has, you know, a variety of sports in it. And the idea of that product is for us to be able to, you know, serve a multi-activity based entertainment venue. So your bowling centers or your theme parks or your holiday parks, where again, there's, there's opportunity to serve demand there. But from our perspective on a more concept, on a more philosophical level, I guess we want to try to get new places, people playing sport in new places. You know, you don't associate going and playing sport in a shopping mall or going and playing it in a high street or in a bowling center, for instance. Whereas if we can make these fun experiences for people to go there, we can bring new people into the sport, which then benefits the whole ecosystem, be it, you know, from a broadcast perspective or sponsorship perspective, or even from a you know, media perspective where more content gets read as a direct result of it as well. So the idea is to try to bring people into that sport there. And then naturally, as you mentioned, what we're trying to, and I guess where we want to try to get this product to and where we're trying, where we're getting it is in the training and performance space, where we can have these connected facilities where you, know, you can register at one facility and the system will be able to understand your profile and deliver a very personalized experience, but then you can also compete and you know profile yourself against similar players across many different locations, but also go and access your experiences in other locations. Should you be traveling or should you be, you know, should you move away from home after you to go to university or to go to work? So you don't break that linkage with the sport, I suppose. So there's almost like a whole connected ecosystem there through all the three different verticals then. Yeah, it sounds like basically you evolved from, as you said, fan activation, so one-time fun, to fan entertainment, which is ongoing fun, which is an installed facility, to now going beyond the fan and into the into the mind of the player. So the fan who might be doing it casually, hey, now can I use this as a tool to regularly incorporate in my training regime to improve my uh, improve my performance, improve my output, whatever I'm, I'm looking for. Um, and I think, the, let's talk about the second one for a bit. I think the first use case is fairly fairly standard. You'd imagine a, a large sporting venue around a large event, you would you would have something like this. But the second one, which is the entertainment uh, piece, uh, we were talking about this earlier, the kind of the top golf for X uh, trend, which is quite a thing now. It really feels like, uh, I'd mentioned motorsport, where, I mean, F1 has an arcade, uh, which they opened up in London, I think, Earlier this year, there are tennis facilities or tennis simulators opening up in New York. Uh, cricket has, it's, this is, I've seen this before. We've had this in India and a couple of places. The experience wasn't great, which is why a lot of those were probably empty a lot. And then, I mean, I don't even know if they're around now. I think most of them have shut, uh, closed shop. Uh, but it used to be a thing that I've done a couple of times, take the team out for a, you know, a couple of beers and have a bit of a swing of the bat kind of thing. But... I think the, de the delta is exactly here. This is a bit of, okay, it's a bit of mess around and not really a good experience versus what Top Golf did, which was actually make the experience of playing the game itself super fun, but surround you with entertainment and food and beverage and some good music and good lighting and bring in energy into the space, which is, I guess, your mission as well, what you have uh, in your facilities. Talk to me about those facilities now. So where, how many of them do you have? Where in the world are they? 
Yeah. So firstly, around your point is, you know, I think timing is, is, is crucial. And I think that I think Topkov itself will, will, is a brilliant business. And we've studied, I mean, I've studied Topkov end to end and I'm such a fan of what they've managed to achieve and what they're doing for the game of golf as well. And I think, you know, similarly, uh, I think they, their leadership or their executive team may also admit that they were very early to market. And I think that timing to market is such a crucial element in any concept or a business idea. And I think the, the, the real estate dynamics in the, in the developed countries, especially over the last five or eight years, have changed massively. You know, you look at, especially take example of the UK, you take the impact of Brexit and then COVID and then the wars and, you know, I guess the Ukraine war and, then, and, and also the online shopping trends. And suddenly you're seeing a lot of good real estate being available at relatively good prices, which then allows concepts like us to come to market. I would actually say when we started out, the first biggest challenge we had is what's the real estate distribution strategy here? Because we hit our heads with business model and we just couldn't get it to work because the pricing and the ROI just didn't work. And and so I, I guess that the, a little bit of it is timing, and especially the U.S. or other markets as well, where there's a lot of good real estate being available at, 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 the, at prices that make this model more sustainable and scalable as well. So that's a really good thing, and I think the next five, ten years in this space will be very important for businesses to get in and bet in. And then post that, I think the real estate markets may change as, as you know, naturally things adapt and, and evolve as well. Um, regarding your sort of second question around our locations and stuff, so sixes themselves, they've now got um, locations across the UK. They've got almost four locations in London. They've got locations in Manchester, Birmingham. Um, sorry, sorry, they said the sixes, you said? Yeah, so sixes is a partnership. Is a, we've effectively licensed that technology to the brand ah, sixes. Okay. So we don't so – unlike yeah, uh, unlike Topkov, I guess we 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 focus solely on the technology. We uh, we Correct. figured, I guess it was a little bit of timing and a little bit of uh, you know, I guess self reflection as well for us, where we realized we are not hospitality entrepreneurs. We were, we built a business to build good technology, and so we didn't want to sort of get our hands into two pies. And and it, six is actually the the the, the founders there. And, and, and their pitch to us and the way how we, we've struck a relationship, I think, has become a really good relationship for all of us. And so from our perspective, we, we, we think it's a better business strategy for us to not get involved in the operation of these facilities because we're not experts in it. And naturally, you want people who, who are brilliant at running these facilities to run these facilities as well. And then we can build out a technology business, you know, recruit good engineers and effectively be an engineering company first rather than a hospitality business, if that makes sense. Stay up to date with all things sports tech and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get a monthly breakdown of the most important developments in the global sports tech ecosystem, paired with exclusive interviews with industry leaders. Get all of this and more delivered directly to your inbox. Sign up today at sportstechx.com. By the way, a great point that you made on the evolution of the real estate uh, market and what that allows is more experimentation like the kind you're doing, which is, I guess, why we have this simulator for X or sorry, top call for X. Um, kind of market emerging. Um, all right, so you, you've got partners who you do this with, which makes a lot of sense. And now it looks like, or it sounds like, you're in the US to build out this use case in that market. So um, is it only for cricket? I think you're also touching on multiple sports. So walk me through that. Like, what, what is the next uh, 
evolution of uh, bat fast look like? Yeah, um, so naturally within cricket, you know, I think we, we've got a majority of our market share in cricket, but over the last sort of three or four years, we've worked on different projects for different clients doing other sports. So like, for instance, we worked with, you know, agencies and, and brands to deliver baseball experiences, which have been used for major events like the MLB London Series, or MLB Mexico Series, or even the All-Star Game. And the feedback we've received actually is very in line to what we were receiving for cricket, which is, you know, there's real scope for this product in baseball, for instance. And naturally, you know, we, we felt like the, if we just to really scale our business, you know, targeting the American market would definitely be a, it's a no brainer. You want to be going to after your biggest markets. And so I moved out here to effectively build out our baseball um, business. Uh, the core, the, the core focus for me is to build out a baseball business and that's through partnerships with other businesses within the ecosystem but also to, to secure the the, the the partners who can scale out and distribute our technology in, in the US as well um, and then uh, you know naturally we've been working slowly within tennis as well and we want to bring a tennis product out to market for this particular vertical over the next 12 to 18 months as well and I, I guess we've built up the credibility with one sport to allow us to now start you know, having conversations early on in our product development cycle rather than wait till the product is ready, if that makes sense. So we can time our conversation slightly better and we can also, you know, effectively plan ourselves better as well. Because the technology platform that we built effectively is, 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 is we can duplicate it across different sports, albeit with some iteration within each sport for the hardware and the software to make it more personalized for that sport. So it's effectively a multi-sport opportunity. We didn't plan it this way. We started out very much as a cricket business, but I think as you scale and you see feedback, you receive feedback from investors or from customers, you try pivot and iterate and you then try effectively increase your market opportunity to, 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 to give the best return possible where you can. <clears throat> if the market is telling you they want more, why not give it to them? Um, yeah. And uh, also it sounds like essentially what you did with those spring-loaded bowling arms that we talked about earlier, you're doing the same in baseball for those I guess also spring-loaded batting cages uh, that the Americans are used to. I've never tried one of those, but uh, I imagine that experience is, is quite similar. All right, so you've got the next evolution is taking to a new taking to a new sport, a new geography, uh, and and capturing market there. And by the way, I can imagine there will be a few cricket facilities also in the US. Uh, cricket is growing there. They've got a league of their own now. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, yeah no, I'm very confident. And I, I, I think, to be honest, the, the, the cricket in the U.S. has been growing, grown by entrepreneurs. And I'm a big f- believer in entrepreneurship for its business models to try grow new sports. Uh, I say that because, you know, uh, having experienced, uh, gov- I had a particularly poor experience of governing bodies trying to grow a sport in an associate country. And I, I don't think by any means that's the same case in the UK or, or, or Australia and well, or India for that matter with well-run governing bodies. But I think governing bodies have a lot of constraints on them placed by you know, the, the sources of funding and, and the way how they can execute on different things. And, and I think the U.S. market would have never grown had it not been for a group of entrepreneurs to create these league, the, the major league cricket. And I personally think that's a, a way to scale cricket in a lot of new markets. You know, I think the UAE is another good example as well, where cricket or the Middle East, for that matter, is a good market where cricket can grow. And then there's other markets available as well. So I, I do think that entrepreneurship first business model is great. But then beyond that, if you look at the U.S. market 
on its own, it's a phenomenally good market for cricket. You know, it's got a huge immigrant population. I guess people from the subcontinent, from the UK, Australia, South Africa, who've known cricket and followed cricket. And it's actually a very good distribution model for broadcast as well, because, you know, I guess the internet connectivity is pretty good. People can consume content very easily. Time zones is a big challenge, and that's why having a league here of its own is very good, because you may not be able to distribute. You know, right now, the World Cup, most of it's quite coincident. I'm, my background is in cricket, but I've not watched one game yet because by the time I'm up in the morning, right. you know, most of the, I'm starting work straight away and there's no time to actually follow the cricket. So to a certain extent, I think as, as, a, as a market, the US, Canada, West Indies is, is a very untapped market for cricket. So I think the game will grow here, but also you've got a big population and hopefully I think the biggest, biggest opportunities if if cricket can bring the non-traditional people, you know, Americans into cricket and help them, you know, sort of follow the sport, which I think Major League Soccer is now doing in the U.S., I think that's when this opportunity can scale phenomenally because the, 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 the spend per head in the U.S. is just far greater than any other market in the world, especially when it comes to sports. So um, the market opportunity is just enormous. <coughs> Yeah, of course. Only, I mean, it's only keep yeah, and it will continue growing. Fair, uh, fair point, and it's it's a big part of what sport across the world is trying to do. Whether it's in Europe or the US, it's bringing in the casual fan closer in, getting them more ingrained, bringing younger fans in, which is why sport is getting closer to gaming and and other interactive experiences. Yeah, I mean the MLC Major League Cricket, I think, was a two week tournament or three week tournament, something like that, earlier this year. Um, hopefully, that'll get its own moment to to flesh out and be a proper. Uh, tournament spread over uh, a significant period of time to capture a nation's interest and then they'll wait for their own uh, messy moment. Uh, first they need a Beckham and then... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? He comes and, um, and spends his yeah. history. I mean, I mean it, it'll change the game in the US, right? Like, Absolutely. Um, or even MS Tony. MS Tony is available right now. They may just go and uh, hopefully... Well, the idea belongs and, to us, I guess. <laughs> absolutely. One of those, like, he needs big iconic and probably has to be Indian, you'd also say, uh, to really go in and make that impact and have that recall value and get all the broadcasts and get all the eyeballs uh, onto that sport uh, in that country. Uh, last one on, on, on cricket, uh, just... I'll focus on the Bantis Cricket Deck. So you're, from your perspective, I know you're, you're the infrastructure hardware, well, hardware and software guy, but... From your perspective, what are the key trends in cricket tech or the evolution of cricket tech that you're most excited by? Yeah, I think from from my perspective, you know, I'm always trying to see how we can make cricket available to more markets. It's always it's a passion. I grew up in a country where cricket was not the major sport and it had its challenges. So I think a lot of the work the ICC actually coincidentally is doing to try bring cricket to video and mobile, especially through ICC TV. And I'm actually, the format and stuff, they're, they're doing some cool stuff. Yeah, precisely. And like the truth is that I think this actually started a few years ago for them where they started to distribute content for, you know, I guess smaller countries playing cricket because not major broadcast channels will not buy the rights for it. But I think there's a lot of really cool affordable grassroots solutions for broadcasting cricket matches, which gives, which, which, allows the ICC to distribute this channel through their platform. And it may not get the best viewership or anything, but it helps build these young countries, well, the smaller countries build profile. And and so for me, I I, I really like that. The Cricket World Cup, the 50-over Cricket World Cup, particularly for me is, I think it's the, it's the most iconic um, tournament in cricket out of everything else. And yet I think it's becoming marginalized as a, as a, as a, as a concept. But also for me, 
it's only you know 10 countries when i played in 2011 it was 14 countries and i think post that world cup it's always been 10 countries and it, i think it's the wrong direction you know of course that's my opinion and they have their perfect reasoning to try to prioritize t20 cricket which actually may work better in in, in, in bigger team tournaments as well but i think the 50 over world cup is such a balance between long form and short form cricket it gives you a bit of both and so for me i think what they're trying to do with trying to create opportunities for younger countries to come at and, and grow the, the grow the sport hopefully results in more countries being able to play or at least give more opportunities for countries to play 50 over cricket and and i think the video production part will play a part in doing that and that's my yeah, point uh, innovation and broadcasting tech i mean that's a huge huge topic in sports and this is a, this is why i like to bring those let's say cross connections across wires because i mean there's a reason that with the MLS, with Messi, with Apple, there's a reason that Apple invested as much as they do in sports. There's a reason that Amazon has picked up broadcasting rights. There's a reason that uh, YouTube has done that as well. All of these big tech giants are investing increasingly in in sports. And with that, and because they're investing in sports streaming, a natural evolution of broadcasting tech will happen. So, yeah, fair, fair shout out. Um, and I'm excited to see... Um, what more cricket can do to, to further the growth of the game. Um, all right, Ranish, we've actually motored through quite a bit of time. Um, last one on the company. So what's coming up for Fast over the next 12, 18 months? Um, I know you're already in the US. You've already covered how you're growing in baseball and stuff. Um, so I'll ask what's coming up. Also with an, uh, a mind to, hey, is there, what kind of partnerships are you looking for? Are you looking for investment? Are you looking for, what, what are you looking for to our audience if, in case anybody wants to reach out? Yeah, no, thank you for that. I think in the next 12 to 18 months for us is, you know, priority number one is to bring a baseball concept to market, you know, effectively be allow us to, um, uh, I guess that's new in, within the existing business. We want to make sure our existing partnerships continue to thrive. And I think that's priority number one. Let me just rephrase that. That should always be priority number one. And then I think that the next priority for us is to make sure we bring a baseball concept to market in the U.S. You know, I, I think we're getting some really good conversations going right now. And within the next quarter or two, we're expecting to complete on a, on a, on a deal that allows us to do that. Um, beyond Beyond that, I think for us is around... You know, we've built, uh, uh, we've now got the product, we've got a couple of pilots that we've done for the training product, which have actually received really good uh, traction. We've, you know, our metrics are very positive on it. And actually we're, we're running a membership based model on that. So, you know, you know when, you're, when you're looking at customer acquisition cost, um, initial order value and lifetime value, we're tracking those metrics and we're actually getting really positive outcomes out of those few pilot locations. And I'm actually really excited about how that product shapes up and as we look to scale it. So for us, from um, what we're looking for from the community, sports tech entrepreneurs, people who want to you know, effectively build sport, anyone who's interested in doing so, would always love to hear from you to see what kind of opportunities we can shape up with, with, with people. Um, Investment-wise, I think you know you're always looking to raise capital at the right time. Um, we we are almost at this phase of our business where the next round of capital may be the most crucial round of capital for us. So finding the right investors is is really important. Um, so any, I guess we're an impact-driven business and a vision-driven business first. So we're always looking for people who want to make an impact first. You know, we're in a sector which is not software, it's not broadcast. We're not going to become a billion-dollar business in three, four, five years. And so there's only, you know, I guess a majority of technology people get ruled out almost immediately. We're trying to build a long-term business here with with the view to, you know, to, to to be sustainable and profitable and scalable across across many years. 
And so we're, we're, we're anyone who fits that profile or that vision and buys into the vision and fits that sort of mold of people is where we'd always love to connect because who knows if not today and next year or the year after there's always opportunities that we can find to work together. Absolutely. And and first of all, kudos to you and the team for executing the way you have till now. I mean, just by going through the list of names that you've partnered with already, whether it's the ICC, whether it's the ECB, whether it's um, the MLB, you said the All-Star Game. And I mean, obviously, working with the top leagues and top uh, associations and federations and let's say governing bodies in the respective sports, apart from all the private people that I'm sure you're working with. So that stamp of credibility you already have. Um, and long may that continue. Uh, Runesh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what is the best place to do that? Uh, Runesh Kutka on LinkedIn is an option? Yeah, on my LinkedIn would be the best place. <laughs> Perfect. So we'll drop uh, R-U-N-I-S-H-G-U-D-H-K-A. You can find him on LinkedIn. We'll drop his uh, profile link in the show notes. Last question, Runesh, before I let you go. Uh, it's my favorite one to ask. Um, I always want to know, because I like to believe you're sports fans first. What has been your favorite sporting moment? Yeah, I, well, it has to do with cricket, of course, because of you know, being a cricket nut growing up. I think for me, the, the moment that sort of gave me the, that changed my life was in 2003. And it's not a great, not everyone will know about this, but in 2003, in the cricket, the 50 over cricket World Cup, which is what's being played right now. Um, Kenya made the semi-finals of that World Cup and you know naturally the World Cup was played in Africa in, in South Africa and Kenya and you know growing up following that whole journey was just a life change it was just such a I guess as a cricket fan as a Kenyan fan first it was just a it really it allowed it really made me dream you know to want to play for Kenya one day and I guess the best moment in that was in, in there was a game in Kenya where Kenya played Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka were, you know, the favorite, I guess they, they were giants at that stage. And Kenya were very much underdogs. And Kenya pulled off one of the greatest wins in World Cup history. And I guess the second greatest win, because the first one belongs to Kenya when they beat West Indies. But I was way too young at that stage to actually remember. 96, yeah. 96. So in, in 2003, when Kenya beat Sri Lanka, I think it was one of those moments that was like, I was there kind of moment for me. And wow. it, it really just sort of made me want to play cricket, want to, you know, really, like, I was at the age where I was 14 years old at the time as well. So a good age to sort of, you know, try to think about what you want to do in the future. And fortunately for me, I managed to realize that dream, albeit it didn't turn out to be the most successful long-term career, but I still play, managed to play for my country, which is, I think, as I look back on it now, the, the prouder I feel. Um, and, you know, it allowed me to also be in the business of sport, which is, I guess, you know, everyone gets to, to, to do. So, yeah, I think that one day watching cricket live changed my whole life. So yeah, I'm really proud of that moment. Rush, this is exactly why I asked this question. A smile on your face, a smile on mine. Um, epic moments. The 2003 World Cup, if I'm not mistaken, Kenya lost to India in the semis. In the right? semis made, yeah. made it through the Super 6. Um and I, man, I was hoping for a story around Kenyan cricket. I thought maybe you'd bring up the the Tikolo brothers or yeah. the, I mean, all of them. The, yeah, there's just there's just so much history associated with all of them. And like I've yeah. played with you know Steve Tikolo, who was a mentor of mine as well, and others as well. And a part of me almost feels like you know I feel a lot of people are being let down by how cricket. You know, these are people who need to get like I guess there's a lot of associate cricketers right now and I think I rep I'm lucky to represent them and that's why the power of, uh, of, of making cricket more accessible because hopefully if we can make a change my co-founder is from Kenya I'm from Kenya if we can make a minute change in how the sport is played it shows that you don't need to be from India or Pakistan or Australia or England you can be from a smaller country to and hopefully make an impact in the sport that you love. <laughs> 
Man, amazing, amazing moment that you described and also the vision that you just talked about. This is how we can hopefully in our small way give back and contribute to the growth of sport wherever we come from. Brunish, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ron, and nice meeting you. All right, guys, that is a wrap for another episode. Cricket Tech continues to steam on. That was a great episode. I really enjoy it. And we've got a theme of professional cricketers on this on this uh, series now. I uh, really enjoyed that one. More to come. I think we have one more episode speaking to an investor. See you guys there next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Sports Tech All-Stars podcast with Roan Maholtra. If you like our show, let us know and leave a review. And if you want to know more about us, check out sportstechx.com, where you can find our latest industry reports and updates. For a deeper dive into all things sports tech, check out our comprehensive database, SportstechDB, at sportstechdb.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at SportstechX on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Join us next time for another insightful conversation with a leader in sports tech.